section seventeen of essays book two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by cynthia moyer essays book two by michel de montaigne translated by charles cotton of presumption part one there is another sort of glory which is the having too good an opinion of our own worth tis an inconsiderate affection with which we flatter ourselves and that represents us to ourselves other than we truly are like the passion of love that lends beauties and graces to the object and makes those who are caught by it with a depraved and corrupt judgment consider the thing which they love other and more perfect than it is i would not nevertheless for fear of failing on this side that a man should not know himself aright or think himself less than he is the judgment ought in all things to maintain its rights tis all the reason in the world he should discern in himself as well as in others what truth sets before him if it be caesar let him boldly think himself the greatest captain in the world we are nothing but ceremony ceremony carries us away and we leave the substance of things we hold by the branches and quit the trunk and the body we have taught the ladies to blush when they hear that but named which they are not at all afraid to do we dare not call our members by their right names yet are not afraid to employ them in all sorts of debauchery ceremony forbids us to express by words things that are lawful and natural and we obey it reason forbids us to do things unlawful and ill and nobody obeys it i find myself here fettered by the laws of ceremony for it neither permits a man to speak well of himself nor ill we will leave her there for this time they whom fortune call it good or ill has made to pass their lives in some eminent degree may by their public actions manifest what they are but they whom she has only employed in the crowd and of whom nobody will say a word unless they speak themselves are to be excused if they take the boldness to speak of themselves to such as are interested to know them by the example of lucilius ille velut fidis arcana sodalibus olem credebat libris neque si male cesserat usquam decurrens alio neque si bene quo fit ut omnis votiva pateat veluri descripta tabella vita senis he formerly confided his secret thoughts to his books as to tried friends and for good and evil resorted not elsewhere hence it came to pass that the old man's life is there all seen as on a votive tablet horace satires two one thirty 
he always committed to paper his actions and thoughts and there portrayed himself such as he found himself to be nec id rutilio et scauro citrafidem aut obtractationi fuit nor was this considered a breach of good faith or a disparagement to rutilius or scaurus tacitus agricola one hundred one i remember then that from my infancy there was observed in me i know not what kind of carriage and behaviour that seemed to relish of pride and arrogance i will say this by the way that it is not unreasonable to suppose that we have qualities and inclinations so much our own and so incorporate in us that we have not the means to feel and recognize them and of such natural inclinations the body will retain a certain bent without our knowledge or consent it was an affectation conformable with his beauty that made alexander carry his head on one side and caused alcibiades to lisp julius caesar scratched his head with one finger which is the fashion of a man full of troublesome thoughts and cicero as i remember was wont to pucker up his nose a sign of a man given to scoffing such motions as these may imperceptibly happen in us there are other artificial ones which i meddle not with as salutations and congees by which men acquire for the most part unjustly the reputation of being humble and courteous one may be humble out of pride i am prodigal enough of my hat especially in summer and never am so saluted but that i pay it again from persons of what quality soever unless they be in my own service i should make it my request to some princes whom i know that they would be more sparing of that ceremony and bestow that courtesy where it is more due for being so indiscreetly and indifferently conferred on all it is thrown away to no purpose if it be without respect of persons it loses its effect amongst irregular deportment let us not forget that haughty one of the emperor constantius who always in public held his head upright and stiff without bending or turning on either side not so much as to look upon those who saluted him on one side planting his body in a rigid immovable posture without suffering it to yield to the motion of his coach not daring so much as to spit blow his nose or wipe his face before people i know not whether the gestures that were observed in me were of this first quality and whether i had really any occult proneness to this vice as it might well be and i cannot be responsible for the motions of the body but as to the motions of the soul i must here confess what i think of the matter this glory consists of two parts the one in setting too great a value upon ourselves and the other in setting too little a value upon others 
as to the one methinks these considerations ought in the first place to be of some force i feel myself importuned by an error of the soul that displeases me both as it is unjust and still more as it is troublesome i attempt to correct it but i cannot root it out and this is that i lessen the just value of things that i possess and overvalue things because they are foreign absent and none of mine this humour spreads very far as the prerogative of the authority makes husbands look upon their own wives with a vicious disdain and many fathers their children so i betwixt two equal merits should always be swayed against my own not so much that the jealousy of my advancement and bettering troubles my judgment and hinders me from satisfying myself as that of itself possession begets a contempt of what it holds and rules foreign governments manners and languages insinuate themselves into my esteem and i am sensible that latin allures me by the favour of its dignity to value it above its due as it does with children and the common sort of people the domestic government house horse of my neighbour though no better than my own i prize above my own because they are not mine besides that i am very ignorant in my own affairs i am struck by the assurance that every one has of himself whereas there is scarcely anything that i am sure i know or that i dare be responsible to myself that i can do i have not my means of doing anything in condition and ready and am only instructed therein after the effect as doubtful of my own force as i am of another's whence it comes to pass that if i happen to do anything commendable i attribute it more to my fortune than industry forasmuch as i design everything by chance and in fear i have this also in general that of all the opinions antiquity has held of men in gross i most willingly embrace and adhere to those that most contemn and undervalue us and most push us to naught methinks philosophy has never so fair a game to play as when it falls upon our vanity and presumption when it most lays open our irresolution weakness and ignorance i look upon the too good opinion that man has of himself to be the nursing mother of all the most false opinions both public and private those people who ride astride upon the epicycle of mercury who see so far into the heavens are worse to me than a tooth-drawer that comes to draw my teeth for in my study the subject of which is man finding so great a variety of judgments so profound a labyrinth of difficulties one upon another so great diversity and uncertainty even in the school of wisdom itself you may judge seeing these people could not resolve upon the knowledge of themselves and their own condition which is continually before their eyes and within them 
seeing they do not know how that moves which they themselves move nor how to give us a description of the springs they themselves govern and make use of how can i believe them about the ebbing and flowing of the nile the curiosity of knowing things has been given to man for a scourge says the holy scripture but to return to what concerns myself i think it would be very difficult for any other man to have a meaner opinion of himself nay for any other to have a meaner opinion of me than of myself i look upon myself as one of the common sort saving in this that i have no better an opinion of myself guilty of the meanest and most popular defects but not disowning or excusing them and i do not value myself upon any other account than because i know my own value if there be any vanity in the case tis superficially infused into me by the treachery of my complexion and has no body that my judgment can discern i am sprinkled but not dyed for in truth as to the effects of the mind there is no part of me be it what it will with which i am satisfied and the approbation of others makes me not think the better of myself my judgment is tender and nice especially in things that concern myself i ever repudiate myself and feel myself float and waver by reason of my weakness i have nothing of my own that satisfies my judgment my sight is clear and regular enough but at working it is apt to dazzle as i most manifestly find in poetry i love it infinitely and am able to give a tolerable judgment of other men's works but in good earnest when i apply myself to it i play the child and am not able to endure myself a man may play the fool in everything else but not in poetry mediocribus esse poetis non dii non homines non concessere columnae neither men nor gods nor the pillars on which the poets offered their writings permit mediocrity in poets horace de arta poetica three hundred seventy two i would to god this sentence was written over the doors of all our printers to forbid the entrance of so many rhymesters verum nihil securius est malo poetae the truth is that nothing is more confident than a bad poet marshall twelve sixty three thirteen why have not we such people as those about to be mentioned dionysius the father valued himself upon nothing so much as his poetry at the olympic games with chariots surpassing all the others in magnificence he sent also poets and musicians to present his verses with tent and pavilions royally gilt and hung with tapestry when his verses came to be recited 
the excellence of the delivery at first attracted the attention of the people but when they afterwards came to poise the meanness of the composition they first entered into disdain and continuing to nettle their judgments presently proceeded to fury and ran to pull down and tear to pieces all his pavilions and that his chariots neither performed anything to purpose in the race and that the ship which brought back his people failed of making sicily and was by the tempest driven and wrecked upon the coast of tarentum they certainly believed was through the anger of the gods incensed as they themselves were against the paltry poem and even the mariners who escaped from the wreck seconded this opinion of the people to which also the oracle that foretold his death seemed to subscribe which was that dionysius should be near his end when he should have overcome those who were better than himself which he interpreted of the carthaginians who surpassed him in power and having war with them often declined the victory not to incur the sense of this prediction but he understood it ill for the god indicated the time of the advantage that by favour and injustice he obtained at athens over the tragic poets better than himself having caused his own play called the linnaeans to be acted in emulation presently after which victory he died and partly of the excessive joy he conceived at the success diodorus siculus fifteen seven the play however was called the ransom of hector it was the games at which it was acted that were called linnaean they were one of the four dionysiac festivals what i find tolerable of mine is not so really and in itself but in comparison of other worse things that i see well enough received i envy the happiness of those who can please and hug themselves in what they do for tis an easy thing to be so pleased because a man extracts that pleasure from himself especially if he be constant in his self-conceit i know a poet against whom the intelligent and the ignorant abroad and at home both heaven and earth exclaim that he has but very little notion of it and yet for all that he never has a whit the worse opinion of himself but is always falling upon some new piece always contriving some new invention and still persists in his opinion by so much the more obstinately as it only concerns him to maintain it my works are so far from pleasing me that as often as i review them they disgust me cum relego scripsise pudet quia plurima kerno me quoque qui feci judice digna lini when i reperuse i blush at what i have written i ever see one passage after another that i the author being the judge consider should be erased ovid de ponto one five 
15. I have always an idea in my soul, and a sort of disturbed image which presents me as in a dream with a better form than that I have made use of, but I cannot catch it nor fit it to my purpose, and even that idea is but of the meaner sort. Hence I conclude that the productions of those great and rich souls of former times are very much beyond the utmost stretch of my imagination or my wish. Their writings do not only satisfy and fill me, but they astound me and ravish me with admiration. I judge of their beauty. I see it, if not to the utmost, yet so far at least as tis possible for me to aspire. Whatever I undertake, I owe a sacrifice to the graces, as Plutarch says of some one, to conciliate their favour. Siquid enim placet, siquid dulce hominum sensibus influit, debentur lepidis omnia gratiis. If anything please that I write, if it infuse delight into men's minds, all is due to the charming graces. The verses are probably by some modern poet. They abandon me throughout. All I write is rude. Polish and beauty are wanting. I cannot set things off to any advantage. My handling adds nothing to the matter for which reason I must have it forcible, very full, and that has a luster of its own. If I pitch upon subjects that are popular and gay, tis to follow my own inclination, who do not affect a grave and ceremonious wisdom as the world does, and to make myself more sprightly, but not my style more wanton, which would rather have them grave and severe, at least, if I may call that a style, which is an inform and irregular way of speaking, a popular jargon, a proceeding without definition, division, conclusion, perplexed like that Amaphanius and Rabirius, Cicero, Academica, 1, 2. I can neither please nor delight, nor even tickle my readers. The best story in the world is spoiled by my handling, and becomes flat. I cannot speak but in rough earnest, and am totally unprovided of that facility which I observe in many of my acquaintance, of entertaining the first comers and keeping a whole company in breath, or taking up the ear of a prince with all sorts of discourse without wearying themselves. They never want matter by reason of the faculty and grace they have in taking hold of the first thing that starts up and accommodating it to the humour and capacity of those with whom they have to do. Princes do not much affect solid discourses, nor I to tell stories. The first and easiest reasons, which are commonly the best taken, I know not how to employ. I am an ill orator to the common sort. I am apt of everything to say the extremest that I know. Cicero, 
is of opinion that in treatises of philosophy the exordium is the hardest part if this be true i am wise in sticking to the conclusion and yet we are to know how to wind the string to all notes and the sharpest is that which is the most seldom touched there is at least as much perfection in elevating an empty as in supporting a weighty thing a man must sometimes superficially handle things and sometimes push them home i know very well that most men keep themselves in this lower form from not conceiving things otherwise than by this outward bark but i likewise know that the greatest masters and xenophon and plato are often seen to stoop to this low and popular manner of speaking and treating of things but supporting it with graces which never fail them farther my language has nothing in it that is facile and polished tis rough free and irregular and as such pleases if not my judgment at all events my inclination but i very well perceive that i sometimes give myself too much rein and that by endeavouring to avoid art and affectation i fall into the other inconvenience brevis esse laboro obscurus fio endeavouring to be brief i become obscure horace de arte poetica twenty five plato says that the long or the short are not properties that either take away or give value to language should i attempt to follow the other more moderate united and regular style i should never attain to it and though the short round periods of sallust best suit with my humour yet i find caesar much grander and harder to imitate and though my inclination would rather prompt me to imitate seneca's way of writing yet i do nevertheless more esteem that of plutarch both in doing and speaking i simply follow my own natural way whence peradventure it falls out that i am better at speaking than writing motion and action animate words especially in those who lay about them briskly as i do and grow hot the comportment the countenance the voice the robe the place will set off some things that of themselves would appear no better than prating messala complains in tacitus of the straightness of some garments in his time and of the fashion of the benches where the orators were to declaim that were a disadvantage to their eloquence my french tongue is corrupted both in the pronunciation and otherwise by the barbarism of my country i never saw a man who was a native of any of the provinces on this side of the kingdom who had not a twang of his place of birth and that was not offensive to ears that were purely french and yet it is not that i am so perfect in my perigordin for i can no more speak it than high dutch nor do i much care 
tis a language as the rest about me on every side of poitou saint-ange angmousin limousin auvergne a poor drawling scurvy language there is indeed above us towards the mountains a sort of gascon spoken that i am mightily taken with blunt brief significant and in truth a more manly and military language than any other i am acquainted with as sinewy powerful and pertinent as the french is graceful neat and luxuriant as to the latin which was given me for my mother tongue i have by discontinuance lost the use of speaking it and indeed of writing it too wherein i formerly had a particular reputation by which you may see how inconsiderable i am on that side beauty is a thing of great recommendation in the correspondence amongst men tis the first means of acquiring the favour and good liking of one another and no man is so barbarous and morose as not to perceive himself in some sort struck with its attraction the body has a great share in our being has an imminent place there and therefore its structure and composition are of very just consideration they who go about to disunite and separate our two principal parts from one another are to blame we must on the contrary reunite and rejoin them we must command the soul not to withdraw and entertain itself apart not to despise and abandon the body neither can she do it but by some apish counterfeit but to unite herself close to it to embrace cherish assist govern and advise it and to bring it back and set it into the true way when it wanders in sum to espouse and be a husband to it so that their effects may not appear to be diverse and contrary but uniform and concurring christians have a particular instruction concerning this connection for they know that the divine justice embraces this society and juncture of body and soul even to the making the body capable of eternal rewards and that god has an eye to the whole man's ways and wills that he receive entire chastisement or reward according to his demerits or merits the sect of the peripatetics of all sects the most sociable attribute to wisdom this sole care equally to provide for the good of these two associate parts and the other sects in not sufficiently applying themselves to the consideration of this mixture show themselves to be divided one for the body and the other for the soul with equal error and to have lost sight of their subject which is man and their guide which they generally confess to be nature the first distinction that ever was amongst men and the first consideration that gave some preeminence over others tis likely was the advantage of beauty agros divisere atque derere 
pro facie cuisque et viribus ingenioque nam facies multum valuit virisque vigebant they distributed and conferred the lands to every man according to his beauty and strength and understanding for beauty was much esteemed and strength was in favour lucretius five one thousand one hundred nine now i am of something lower than the middle stature a defect that not only borders upon deformity but carries with all a great deal of inconvenience along with it especially for those who are in office and command for the authority which a graceful presence and a majestic mien beget is wanting gaius marius did not willingly enlist any soldiers who were not six feet high the courtier has indeed reason to desire a moderate stature in the gentleman he is setting forth rather than any other and to reject all strangeness that should make him be pointed at but if i were to choose whether this medium must be rather below than above the common standard i would not have it so in a soldier little men says aristotle are pretty but not handsome and greatness of soul is discovered in a great body as beauty is in a conspicuous stature the ethiopians and indians says he in choosing their kings and magistrates had regard to the beauty and stature of their persons they had reason for it creates respect in those who follow them and is a terror to the enemy to see a leader of a brave and goodly stature march at the head of a battalion ipse inter primus praestanti corpore turnus vertitur arma tenens et toto vertice supra est in the first rank marches turnus brandishing his weapon taller by a head than all the rest virgil aeneid seven seven hundred eighty three our holy and heavenly king of whom every circumstance is most carefully and with the greatest religion and reverence to be observed has not himself rejected bodily recommendation speciosus forma praefiliis hominum he is fairer than the children of men psalm fourteen three and plato together with temperance and fortitude requires beauty in the conservators of his republic it would vex you that a man should apply himself to you amongst your servants to inquire where monsieur is and that you should only have the remainder of the compliment of the hat that is made to your barber or your secretary as it happened to poor philippoemon who arriving the first of all his company at an inn where he was expected the hostess who knew him not and saw him an unsightly fellow employed him to go help her maids a little to draw water and make a fire against philippoemon's coming the gentlemen of his train arriving presently after and surprised to see him busy in this fine employment 
for he failed not to obey his landlady's command, asked him what he was doing there. I am, said he, paying the penalty of my ugliness. The other beauties belong to women. The beauty of stature is the only beauty of men. Where there is a contemptible stature, neither the largeness and roundness of the forehead, nor the whiteness and sweetness of the eyes, nor the moderate proportion of the nose, nor the littleness of the ears and mouth, nor the evenness and whiteness of the teeth, nor the thickness of a well-set brown beard shining like the husk of a chestnut, nor curled hair, nor the just proportion of the head, nor a fresh complexion, nor a pleasing air of a face, nor a body without any offensive scent, nor the just proportion of limbs can make a handsome man. I am, as to the rest, strong and well-knit. My face is not puffed, but full, and my complexion betwixt jovial and melancholic moderately sanguine and hot. Unde regent setis mihi crura et pectora viliis? Whence tis my legs and breast bristle with hair? Marshall 2, 36, 5. My health vigorous and sprightly, even to a well-advanced age, and rarely troubled with sickness. Such I was, for I do not now make any account of myself, now that I am engaged in the avenues of old age, being already past forty. Minutatim vires et robur adultum frangit et in partem perjorem liquitur aetas. Time by degrees breaks our strength and makes us grow feeble. Lucretius, two. 1131. What shall be from this time forward will be but a half-being, and no more me. I every day escape and steal away from myself. Singula de nobis ani predantur eontes. Of the fleeting years, each steals something from me. Horace. Epodes. 2. End of section 17